All right, you can hold on to those cards. At the end of the service, we're going to collect them, along with if you have a physical offering that you want to put in the basket, we'll, we can do that at the end of the service. Or if you did the digital connection card, just hit send, and it'll get where it needs to get to. Before I get into my message, so Baptism Sunday is next Sunday. We do baptisms four times a year, and, and I think, you know, Sunday is always fun day. I love Sundays, but there's something extra about Baptism Sundays that are just such a great celebration. And, and, uh, and so we've had a number of people sign up, and you guys have been getting emails from me. If you signed up for baptism and you have not received multiple emails from me and text messages, something's going to miss. So just send me an email at phil at njvine.com and let me know, hey, I'm not getting stuff, and I'll make sure you get what you need to get. But this is the, this is the last day that you can sign up for baptism. And so just to encourage you, because if you haven't been baptized, I really want to encourage you to get baptized. Here's a very quick video to help kind of push you over the top to make that decision. I will build my life upon Oh, I will build my life upon your love It is a foundation I will put my trust in you and I will not be shaken. I All right, so on your connection card, just say whether you want to be baptized at 9.30 or 11, or we'll be doing it in the Spanish service as well. Uh, and the way that we do it, like that, we'll have, a, we'll have that tub thing set up right over here, and it happens during worship. So you don't want to, you don't want to miss, you want to get here on time, you want to be part of worship because it's a great celebration. It's, 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 I'm so looking forward to it. So um, we are starting next week our 40 Days of Love campaign, and that's all about, we always do a, a full church-wide campaign every fall. And so this year it's 40 Days of Love, and that means the sermons are going to line up with what's being talked about in the life groups, which is going to line up with daily devotionals and, and workbooks that you're kind of working through during the week so that you can get more deeply connected to the love of God, so the love of God will flow in us, flow through us, that we could learn how to better love the people who are all around us. And so I'm going to be starting my first sermon in that campaign, and that's going to carry us through the fall. Uh, but what I've been doing for the month of September, even though today's October 2nd, but uh, uh, I've been doing what I call September sermons, where there's just like 12 things that I like to cycle through every September, you know, different. I'll do four one year and four different ones the next year, but things that need to be in our foundation as a church, as people. And so we talked, you know, a few weeks ago, we started by talking about what does it mean for us to be hungry for God? Then we talked about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We had a real emphasis during our 21 days of prayer, just, just crying out for more of the, the, the Spirit of God, and He's been moving and working in wonderful ways. We talked about what does it mean for us to be generous. And then last week, I started something on the Great Commission, and I want us to, to finish it up today. I want to talk a little bit more about this commission that we've been given. 
So for you to understand like what it is we're after, you know, a big part of, of what we're trying to do and how you fit in, how you can be a part of this great commission that Jesus gave us. And so, so the passage, the great commission passage is Matthew chapter 28. This is um, the last words of Jesus recorded in the Gospels. And one of the last things he said to his disciples before he ascended to heaven, he said, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so last week, if you were here, we looked at a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We walked through that. The big, I think, takeaway is that we've been given this ministry of reconciliation, right? That we've been reconciled to God, right? And, and so that means now that we have this ministry of reconciliation and that we try to help other people get reconciled to God, not, you know, so that we can control people or not even just so the church can get bigger, so that people can discover a life-giving relationship with Jesus, that's what, we're, that's what we're after. Is there anyone here who would testify and say, Jesus changed my life? Anybody? A couple of you? Maybe a handful, maybe a dozen, right? That we would say, you know what? I got to know Jesus, and I thought it would be religion, and I thought it would be this, that, and the other thing. But man, you know, well, something that I say all the time is Jesus makes life better and makes you better at life. And you would say, Jesus doesn't necessarily maybe better than, I'm not saying I'm better than anyone else, but Jesus has made me a better version of myself. And so we want, we want to see other people come into that relationship with Jesus. And so we as a church are committed to the Great Commission, and it takes all of us. And so you might say, well, well, what does that look like? Like, what does that mean? For me to be part of the Great Commission, for me to evangelize, a scary word, does that mean we're going to hand out bullhorns at the end of the service, and, and all of you have to go to, like, street corners and just start yelling at people through a bullhorn? Or, or we'll have those sandwich board signs, and, you know, you can walk around, like, there's a, you know, I don't know, walk around with these signs. And what, it, what does it mean? Well, there's a passage in 1 Peter, uh, or 1 Peter Chapter 2, verses 9 to 10. And I'm going to read it in the message. I normally read it in the NIV. But the message is a paraphrase. But I really like a couple of the wordings that they have in this, in this particular paraphrase. It says, You are chosen by God. Chosen for the high calling of priestly work. Now that could freak you out a little bit. But what Peter's saying here is that if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a priest. And so what does it mean? It's like, oh my gosh, I'm married. Can I not be married anymore? What, is that, what, what does that mean? What it means is you've been reconciled to God. A priest is someone who like stands in the gap between those who are reconciled and those who aren't. And so you have a message. God has appointed you and he's given you a message because you're connected to him, chosen to be a holy people. That just means set apart. God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him. And this is, this is the phrase, this is why I, I read this in the message, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to, rejected to accepted. I love that. that. To tell people the night and day difference that he made for you, the life-giving relationship that you have from Jesus. Now, one of the reasons that I think Christians have a hard time with embracing the Great Commission is rather than hearing Jesus say that we're called to be his witnesses, we hear we're called to be his lawyers, right? And so we think we got to argue with people. 
We think we got to have all the answers. We think like, oh no, what if they bring up something from like Leviticus that I don't know? Or what if they ask, you know, why, why did the hurricane hit Florida and course cause so much destruction? How could a loving God do that? Or something with the problems of evil? Or how do, what about all these other religions? And, and so if Jesus told us to be his lawyers, then we would have to do that and say like, I got to, you know, get a seminary degree and I got to read a hundred books before I try to talk to anyone. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, be my witnesses. Just, just when you have an opportunity, share with people the life-giving relationship you have to give people a, a reason for the hope that you have. We'll talk about that in a moment. But just tell your story. You know, that, that we figure out how to just kind of tell our story and say, listen, I can't answer all these other questions. I don't know. But here's what happened to me. Here's the night and day difference that Jesus made for me. So let me walk you through a couple things. This is a very practical message. And so, you know, if you have the app, open it up to the, to the sermon notes that I put in every week and just fill in the blanks and some different steps and all the passages that we're going to read. But the first thing is this. Share the hope that you have. Peter said this in 1 Peter 3, 15 to 16. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but we're living in pretty hopeless times. Like there's a lot of despair. There's a lot of things that people are worried about. People don't have a lot of hope as they're looking at, you know, coming out of the last two and a half years of COVID. And then now we've got this inflation and, you know, what's happening to the economy, what's happening on the world stage with Russia, let alone all the stuff that's going on in your life. There's a, there's a lot of hopelessness that's out there. But, but what Peter says is we are to give a reason for the hope that's within us because we serve the God of hope. I mean, that's one of his names. He's the God of hope, and he's given us a living hope. So if we're tapped into that living hope, and if we're like, you know, in our workplaces and life, felt like a lot of people who are hopeless, hopefully there's going to be opportunities where people say, Good, you're, you're different. Like, what's going on with you? Like what, you know, like, like what, you're, you don't seem to be as stressed out, like there's all this office politics going on and everybody's mad at everybody, but, but you somehow managed to stay above the fray. How do you do that? Well, let me tell you about the hope that I have. Or your marriage seems really strong and I, I'm just trying not to kill my husband and I don't know, I think I'm going to smother him with a pillow one of these nights and, and I, don't, I don't know what to do. How, how do you do? Let, let, me tell you about, let me tell you about the hope that we have. And he goes on and he says, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So a lot of people who have misconceptions about Christians and they just think, oh, Christians are, you know, they're hypocritical and they're judgmental and they're mean. And, and there certainly are some Christians who like support those stereotypes. Uh, or, you know, people think, oh, they're just like a political party or whatever it is. But, you know, that maybe we live our life in such a way and we interact with people in such a way that people would say, but you're different. You're not what I expected. You're not mean. You actually seem kind of nice. You take an interest in me. You see me. You bring donuts for, every, you know, for the whole office or whatever it is. But that, but that people are ashamed of their slander. And they say, you're, you're not what I thought you would be. And uh, you know, so, so I think that it, what it really comes down to, right? and we'd be intentional about this, that, that we look for opportunities to share our story. Right? You have a story. You have a story about how you met Jesus and how he changed your life. And, and so you just have, you don't want to argue with people. When you argue with someone, you put walls up. But when you share, you put walls down. 
right? When you do it and it's not weird and you do it in the context of a relationship, people will be more interested to hear your story than you realize. And so I think it's helpful for us to think about the important elements of your story. And the first is, how did you come to realize that you needed Jesus? Like, what's your story? Like, what was it that made you realize, like, I think that I need Jesus in my life. And so I think about myself. And so I was, I was 17 years old, and I had grown up in a, in a Christian home, and I went to a church, and, you know, my mother would always be trying to get me to go to youth group. I didn't want to go to youth group, because what I thought was that, you know what, if I become a Christian, if I give my life to Jesus, my life's going to get really boring. I'm just going to sit in a corner and wait for Jesus to come back, and I'm not going to have any fun, and it's not going to be any good. Maybe someday, but I don't want to do it now. That's, that's kind of what I thought. And so, I, so I, it wasn't that I didn't believe it. I didn't really think about it all that much. Sometimes I did, but usually I didn't. You know, but the, but the thing was, though, as a 17-year-old kid, I was self-aware enough to know that I was a mess. Like, I knew that I was broken. I knew there were things in my life. I knew that there were, there were goals. There were things that I should be moving towards that I wasn't able to. I wasn't able to get motivated for stuff like school. Like, I didn't really care about school. And I knew I should care about school because if I, everyone told me, if I don't, you know, if I don't care about school and go to college, I'm going to be working at McDonald's for the rest of my life. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But, but uh, you know, I just, I just couldn't get motivated. And I couldn't figure out, you know, how to, how to follow through on the things that were important. All I cared about, you know, when I, was in, when I was in high school, all I cared about was wrestling. I wrestled in high school, and I just cared about that. I cared about my friend's group. I cared about, you know, what girl I was dating or who I wanted to date. But, but that was it. I, couldn't, I didn't really have any hope for the future. And so I just kind of, I was very aware that, like, I need to make some changes, but I think things are getting worse. And I also, around that time, I was starting to party more. I was drinking a lot more. I was, I was you know, do I just, I knew that I was on a path that wasn't going to be good. And so at around that time, there was this gym that I would go to and because uh, I was training for wrestling. And so, I mean, doesn't, you guys are like, yeah, no, it's obvious. You spend a lot of time in a gym. <laughs> you guys didn't need to laugh that hard. I mean, you could have chuckled, but you guys are a, kind of a mean bunch. I don't know. I used to spend a lot of time at a gym. And, uh, and so, so there was this guy, this gym that I go to, there was this guy named Danny. And Danny was really cool. Danny was older. He was probably in his mid-20s. And uh, he'd been a football player. He rode a Harley Davidson. He was huge. He was, you know, big guy. And uh, he always would take all the high school athletes kind of under his wing, and he would train them. And so Danny was an out-there Christian. He was a Christian who took seriously this ministry of reconciliation. And so Danny's always witnessing to people. Danny would go into the office and put Christian music on, and everyone in the gym would be like, turn that off, put Zeppelin on, or whatever. And, uh, but Danny was just, he was just doing it. And so I remember one time I was working out with him, and he starts sharing the gospel with me. And I was like, oh no, Danny, I, I, I know what you're talking about. I, I go to this church and I named the church. He'd heard of the church. And, and so he's like, oh, so you're, so you're a Christian. And I'm like, yeah, kind, kind, yeah, yeah. And he's like, all right, great. Well, listen, I'm sharing with this person. You can help me and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, okay. But, but the effect that it had and what God did for me during that season it, it, with Danny and actually some other people that God providentially brought into my life. And let me just say this as an aside. If there's someone in your family, someone you care about that you're praying for, you know, you, you be the witness, but you also pray that God will blindsign them with other people. Because I remember that's what it was like for me. I would just meet people, you know, just God was sending people across my path. But I just remember the impact that Danny had as I thought, he's cool. Like I could, I could, if that's what it means to be a Christian, I think that maybe I can do that. 
And maybe there, there's something more to it than I realized. And so you tell people how you realized that you needed Christ. And then the second thing is tell people how you committed your life to Christ. Like walk them through it. Like, what, like what, how did you do it? Like, okay, so you realized you needed Jesus. What did it look like for you to kind of find Jesus? And so for me, I knew the gospel. So I didn't need someone to tell me the gospel. I needed people to live out the gospel. And, uh, and so I, I, I knew to, to pray a prayer and to submit my life to Jesus and to ask him to forgive my sins and to say, the big thing was like, all right, God, from here on out, I'm going to follow you. And I've always been an you know, all-or-nothing person. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to do, do it all out, right? I'm not going to do it a little bit. So I'm like, all right, Jesus, I'm in. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to go for it. And so I started because now I'm following Jesus. And my mother would be trying to get me to go to youth group. So I'm like, I'm going to go to youth group. And I, probably the first time I just said, who's driving me to youth group? She was like, what? <laughs> you know, like, what's happening? And, uh, and so we had a wonderful youth pastor at my church, this guy named Pete Nelson. He's a pastor to this day. And, and, uh, and, and so he discipled me, took me under his wing. And I became a leader in the youth group and, and, and started to really kind of get involved in church and get connected and, and grew in spiritual leadership. And then the third thing that you tell people is the difference that it made. Tell people the difference that Jesus has made in your life. Because for me, it was 39 years ago. It was 39 years ago that I, that I gave my life to Jesus. And I was, I, was a, I was a broken kid. And I was someone who didn't have hope for my future. And didn't, didn't, I didn't really see a future. I didn't see one. And Jesus came into my life. And I remember during that time... You know, I was, I was so hungry for God, and I worked at, I worked at the, the Tenafly's Friendlies. If anybody remembers the Tenafly Friendlies, and I would ride my moped to the Tenafly Friendlies. And, uh, and so I would come home. I remember this, I remember like the first like couple months, I would put like worship music on, Christian music on, and just have these like encounters with God that were just, God was like revealing himself to me and getting deep in my heart. And, and, and I just think about the purpose that he gave me. And that he gave me a vision for my future. And he gave me hope. And I got to say that, that the hope and the purpose that he gave me 39 years ago has not had a shelf life. That that purpose and that hope has just gotten stronger. And has just become more fleshed out. And has become more of a strength and a driving factor in my life every single year. And the, I mean, there's so much I could say about the difference that he made. Because I honestly, I don't know where I would be right now. I certainly would not be married for 31 years. I, I, who knows where I would be. But, uh, but he made that, that, that total difference in my life. And one of the things is he brought me through. Like I have a testimony, right, that, that like years ago, you know, you read God is faithful and he'll protect you and he'll never leave you or forsake you. But now I've gone through stuff. As I know you've gone through stuff, and I've seen, you know, I faced these scary things, these situations, and it was just like, okay, God, what's going to happen? How's this going to work out? But God made a way. And then I faced the next horrible situation. It's like, oh, no, what's going to happen? I don't know. But God made a way. And then another one and another one. So now when I'm going through a situation, because I face stuff just like you face stuff, I'm able to say, okay, God, you, I know that you're faithful. I know that you're going to make a way. So I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to see what you're doing, and I'm going to follow you, and I know you're going to get me through. And even if I feel like I'm in the fire right now, you're going to be with me in the fire, and I'm going to come out of the fire, and my clothes won't even smell like smoke because I know from experience that you're a good God. And so what this has done in my life is it's given me a strength. It's given me a, 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 a resolve 
that when things come, when the winds and the waves are battering, it's like I know that I can, I know that my Redeemer lives and I know that he's with me and I know he'll never leave me or forsake me. I know that I'm standing on a rock. It's made all the difference. And so tell people your story and tell people the difference that God has made in your life. And then the second thing is this, share your church. Listen, the way we do things here, right, we are very intentional about this. We want to be a church. Everybody's welcome. No matter where anyone's coming from, everybody's welcome. I remember one time somebody told me, some prophetic person was like, there's sin in the church. And I'm like, of course there is. <laughs> like, what, what is that? You know, I thought I'd be like, oh no, what is that? What, there, somebody's sin? It's like, no, everybody's welcome. And what we're trying to do is we're just trying to help everybody take a step to get closer to Jesus. And, and some of you came here and you loved Jesus when you got here. And you're like, I want to be part of a church family and I want to serve God. I need to be encouraged. And we're so glad you're here. We're for you. But we're also intentionally for people who don't know God yet. And we've seen through the years hundreds, maybe even over a thousand people give their life to Jesus, say yes to Jesus, and then take steps. You know, one of the things I never get tired of uh, is, is seeing people who come to church and for some, some way they find themselves in church and they come and they show up. And the last thing that they think is they're going to come to church and they're going to like it. You know, and so I'll have these conversations with people in the lobby and they're like, you can see the wheels turning and they're trying to figure this out. And they're like, I came to church, I, 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 this is my first time, and I liked it. I think I, think I want to come back next week. And, and so, we, so we're, you know, whether it's growth track or whatever it is, there are things that we do to kind of help people take those steps. Now, I got all these notes, and I, I was planning on saying all this stuff, but I think a better way to, to encourage you about sharing your church is to watch a video that I filmed this week because Wanda Cabrera and Evelyn Zarilla have an incredible story. And, uh, and so Evelyn came to the church a few years ago and her life has been completely changed after Wanda invited her. So I asked them to come in to film a video and I thought it would be a few minutes and we cut it and this and that. But I don't know if you've met Evelyn and Wanda, they can talk. But it was really, it was really good. So I just figured, you know what? I'll let them make my second point and I'll just sit back and drink my coffee while they're making it. And so it's about 10 minutes long. So let's, uh, let's watch this conversation. I am here with uh, Wanda Cabrera and Evelyn Zaria. And um, why don't we start by having you guys tell us how you met, how you came to know each other. Well, I was working part-time job, a part-time job at BioReference, and um, my my time was like from ten to two, and I, we were in cubicles, and Evelyn was three cubicles behind me. So I used to walk into work and and say good morning to everybody, and Evelyn was always just mad, and there was something something about her her anger drew me to her because I thought it was challenging to break that. And every time I walked in, I would be like, God, why is she so angry? So one day I asked her and I said, good morning, Evelyn. She's like, good morning. And I'm like, Mamita, why are you always so angry? You're so beautiful. She's like, I don't have a reason to smile. Okay. And I said, but God loves you. Okay. So I went back to my desk and then I had this calendar that had devotionals of the dates. So I would always put, you know, the date and then put it. So when she walked by to grab her attention and see if she read it. So I just kept doing that. And one day I didn't have the date right. 
I didn't flip it. So she walked by and stopped. Mama Wanda, are you going to change the date? I'm like, oh, so you're reading them. Detection. So I'm like, okay. So I changed it. I'm like, ooh, did you read this one? She's like, can you send me a picture of it? So I took a picture and then she was like, wow, this one was really good. So, and then that, that just made me chuckle because I'm like, okay, God, we got this. We got, we got this. We, we got, got a plan. plan. Yeah. So, you know, I kept doing it every day. And then one day she went to our other coworker and then she's like, Carla, I'm going to go to this party on Saturday and I need to learn how to dance salsa. Can you teach me? And I was typing and I'm like, aha. And I turned around and I was like, Evelyn, I can dance salsa. She's like, Mama Wanda, you know how to dance? I'm like, yeah, I mean, Christian people could dance. And she's like, okay, but I'm like, I have one condition. I'll teach you how to dance salsa if you come to my church. Mama Wanda, I'm like, mamita, just one Sunday. I promise you one time, that's all it takes. Just one time. She's like, okay, text me the address. Okay, so I did it. She came to church that Sunday and I was sad because I didn't see her. So when I went to work on Monday, I'm like, good morning, Evelyn. I went to your church. You did. She goes, I sat all the way in the back and I had big glasses on <laughs> and I couldn't stop crying. I was like, why were you crying? She goes, I don't know, Mama Wanda, but your church just made me cry. And then I told her and I was like, maybe that was the presence of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, whatever. So I went back to my desk and then we never talked about the salsa. But and then she goes. So wait, so you still owe her a salsa? She does. I do. She does. Okay, like so this years. is on record. <laughs> this is on record. You have mm -hmm. you have claim to a salsa yes. lesson. Yes. yes. And I'm still waiting. I'm okay. still waiting. Still waiting. And then next thing I know, I see her the next Sunday, and she had big black glasses on. And I said, "Why are you?" She was Mama Wanda. I don't want no one to see me crying. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And then life went on. I invited her to my life group. She went to my life group and then she just branched off. Mm -hmm. And next thing I know, I saw young preachers. She's mm -hmm. preaching. She's running the church. She's running the church. Yeah. I'm like, like we all work wow. Yes. <laughs> so, all right. So, Evelyn, so you've been here at this church now for a few years and mm -hmm. you're so involved. And as we said, you, mm -hmm. we all work for you now. <laughs> so, so. Tell Did you us. clock in, by the way? Huh? Did you clock in, by the way? Did I? I yeah, I know. I gotta, I'm going to have to report to you. Um, so just tell us, tell us how Jesus has changed your life. Wow, like I don't even know where to start. But basically, he just came into my life in such a way that it just like wowed me. Because like, you know, Mama Wanda said, um, I was very like angry and I didn't know that I was. You know, I was just like, I'm just the way I am. Like, this is how I am. And that's it. Like. Can nobody change me? Can nobody tell me nothing? So, you know, like she said before, every day her showing me her devotions and just her speaking to me about Jesus and just talking about how God loves me. And I would just think like, wow, like, why would God love someone like me, like a girl like me? You know, because I was always out partying. I was always angry. I was always like chasing the wind, you know, going after worldly things. And it wasn't until I came to this church that, you know, I felt the presence of the Lord. And his love just wrapped me around in such a way that I just felt that fatherly love that I didn't grow up with. Uh -huh. So I noticed that my whole life I was just trying to fill a void that only God can fill. You know, there's no addiction, there's no emotion, there's no person that can 
be stronger than God. Like God's love is way stronger than what you're going through. So, you know, I was going through a whole bunch of things. I was like a rebel and everything. And when I felt the love of God, that just wowed me in such a way that I was like, wow, like he loves me. Like he's been chasing after me this whole time, you know, through mm -hmm. Mama Wanda, even when I was a little yeah. girl, even throughout all my teenage years, my young adult life, I'm just like, wow. So yeah. when I came to church, um, she told me about it and I sat all the way in the back and then yeah. that's when I saw you and I was like, why is he wearing a motorcycle jacket? Like, <laughs> I'm not sure I own a motorcycle jacket. You but use a jacket. jacket. Okay. All right. jacket. Jacket. And then I okay. saw, you know, your, right. your outfit and I was just like, why is he wearing that? Isn't he supposed to come with like some Pope jacket? Yeah. <laughs> and like, what yeah. is going on? So yeah. when I saw and I heard that you were just saying, you know, we are a church that just goes after Jesus. It's mm -hmm. filled with Holy Spirit led. And I was like, who's this Holy Spirit? Like, what is this is a demonic church. Like, what is going on? here and when i felt like the holy spirit that's the reason why i was crying yeah i was like wow like this church like you know my pastor is really after god's heart mm -hmm. like i want that yeah. and that's when you told me about growth track i joined growth track because mm -hmm. you know you're like you're made on purpose for a purpose and i was like all right my pastor said that i'm made on purpose for a purpose and i'm gonna find out what that is yeah. so i joined the growth track yeah. and that's when i found out who i was and why mm -hmm. i was designed the way that i was and i'm like oh that doesn't it makes sense why i'm like this it makes sense why i'm like that and why it's so easy for me to do this yeah. and then that's when you started talking about life groups and i'm like my pastor said i need to join a life group so i need to do this and it was just jesus just changing my life and then seeing how jesus changed my family's mm -hmm. life mm -hmm. and just really like walking in truth and walking in light and i'm like wow this whole time i was just walking in darkness yep. and you don't even know because you know scripture says satan puts a veil mm -hmm. before our eyes and jesus broke that yeah and yeah, yeah and it's just it's just such a great story i mean it really is so wonderful just seeing how god used you i love i love how you you know you kind of like all right there's a challenge here and you kind of like like put out a little bit of bait with that mm -hmm. devotional and, kind of was really <laughs> and and so you you know you you kind of risked and put yourself out there and 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 really got involved and, and wanted to see mm -hmm. evelyn take steps towards jesus and then you you know mm -hmm. had wanda's testimony and kind of knew who she was and yeah. who she was different mm -hmm. but then you came to church and and you were able to hear a message that you connected with and experienced yeah. the holy spirit and and it's just such a great example mm -hmm. i think of of how we can all work together mm -hmm. to see more people come to know jesus yeah. so so last question um what encouragement would you would you both give Mm -hmm. to people in the church when it comes to uh, engaging in the Great Commission and believing that God can use us to help people really yeah. not only change their life, but change their whole eternal destiny. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. For me is that when you find that person or you're talking to that coworker or just that life person and you feel that there's a void in their life or you just don't see the presence of God, those are my challenges. Mm -hmm. I feel that God just puts people in my life that are just angry and they're just they're just lost. And mm -hmm. that inspires me to talk to them. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And that's where I'm like, hi, like, how are you? Or yeah. what's going on? Yeah. Oh, nothing. Oh, Jesus loves you. And then I just like plant that seed mm -hmm. and then I walk away and then I, I continue feeding it because there's people like, Evelyn that was walking around just angry and I knew there was a beauty in her. Mm -hmm. She was just angry. Yeah. So I just I 
challenges are very important. So yeah. I challenge everybody that if you find that coworker that just says good morning, they need Jesus. Yeah. Plant that seed and this is what happens. And sometimes it's the person who seems the most resistant who actually yeah, is the most easy. open. Yes. And you can have someone be like, oh, that person's angry. I'm not gonna, I'm scared no. of her. I'm not gonna talk to her. Mm -hmm. But you see that as like, all right, God, what are you doing? What are you up yes. to Yes, yes. And really to cool. me, those are the easiest. Uh -huh. Those are the easiest okay. because the people that are just, hey, you know, happy-go-lucky. Right. They, but right. the challenges are the ones that they're because they want that there. breakthrough. There's something there. So I'm like, I'm just going to okay. knock open and walk right in. All right. Yeah. Emma, what would you say? I would just say that um, for Pete, for both sides, like the person receiving it and also the person who's doing it, just being open to yeah. what God is doing. Like, you know, I never when I evangelize, I never try to make it religious. Like, I don't mm -hmm. like anything religious. You know, Jesus is relationship. So. I always talk to them about my testimony or I tell them how, you know, how Mama Wanda was a vessel in the kingdom for me and how God loves you. And yeah. what broke the walls and broke down all the barriers for me and like the strongholds is when you would just say, look, God loves you. And when, you know, that infamous scripture, you know, for God so loved the world, you know, he sent his begotten son and God so loved the world. God so loved the poor people. God so loved the white people. God so loved the rich, the, 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 um, all, oppressed, of, all of us. Yeah. So that resonated so much with me. Cause I'm like, he love, he will love a girl like me. Mm -hmm. And he's like, that's exactly who he loves. His love yeah. is indescribable. Yeah. It's relentless. It's, he is just fearful, like mm -hmm. fear, fearless when it comes mm -hmm. to loving you. Right. If society is saying no, God is saying yeah. absolutely yes. Can't stop, won't stop. And that, yup, mm -hmm. he won't stop, can't stop. And yeah. he doesn't, he didn't stop with me. And I remember when she would evangelize to me and that this is after me coming to this church, I'm like, God, like, why you keep bugging me? Like, why you keep <laughs> following me right. everywhere? And he told me, he's like, I don't love her no different than I love you. Mm -hmm. And that was like one of the first times that I felt the presence wow. of God speak to me. And I was bawling. And I'm wow. like, you love me? He's like, just because your father left and didn't love you, that does not mean that I don't love you. Wow. So mm -hmm. that makes me just want to evangelize yeah. to people and let them know, like, look, it doesn't matter where you're at. You can be in the hood. You can yeah. be in the bar. You can be in a corporate office. It doesn't matter. God loves you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter yeah. what you did yeah yeah and so this to me too is just such a reminder of like what it says in the bible you know the gospel is the power of god for salvation yeah. Amen. the power of had the power of you know daily devotionals that you walk by mm -hmm. the power of an invitation the power of a testimony mm -hmm. changes lives Amen. and you guys are such an example of that Amen. so thank you thank you girl <laughs> So listen, Jesus Jesus told a parable, right? He said that this guy do this great banquet, all the best food, all the best stuff, and he invited everyone to come, but everybody was too busy, nobody came. And so, so Luke 14, 23, the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. And I think that, but we just say, hey, we know God is serving the best meal. And so we want to go out. We want to we be his witnesses so that his house will be full. So we can see more people, their lives transformed, their lives changed. And my last thing is this. Last point is this. So, so what is it as we're, you know, we talked about we share our hope. We share our church. The last thing is we share Christ. 
And I just want to very quickly walk you through, if you have that opportunity, what are you, what are you sharing? Let me just back up a minute. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not, you haven't yet found that life-giving relationship with Jesus. What is it that you need to know? And the first thing is, you need to know that God loves you. You need to know that God, the creator and sustainer of everything, he loves you. It says in Jeremiah 31.3, I've loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. God has been at work in your life, and God will continue to be at work in your life. Like Wanda said, you know, God, or rather Evelyn said, can't stop, won't stop. God is going to, he's coming after you, and he's not going to stop, and he's not going to relent because he's the good shepherd, and he seeks and saves those who need him. And so he's coming after you. And uh, so many people have this idea that God is against them, that God is angry with them, and they feel the sense of shame. And I was talking to somebody recently who was feeling that, and I just said, listen, you, yes, there are things that God wants to change in your life because, because he wants you, you know, he wants to lead you into everything he has for you. But you need to know that, that there's no way that God could love you any more than he loves you right now. He loves you with a perfect love. He loves you with an everlasting love. And that shame and guilt that you're feeling, Jesus bore that on the cross, so you don't need to feel that shame and guilt anymore. You need to know how much God loves you. And listen, the reality is, Blaise Pascal, he said that we have this God-shaped vacuum in our heart. And the person who's in your office, who's angry, who you're a little scared of, or the most hardened atheist, or whoever it is, person who couldn't care less, they have that God-shaped hole in their heart. And they're trying to fill it up with other things. But we just, just need to trust and know that the gospel is powerful. The love of God is the deepest need of their heart. And the second thing we need to, we need to let people know is that God has a plan for them. John 10.10, Jesus said, the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And just say, God is for you. God, you have this vision, this idea of this life that you want to live. God can help you get there. God wants to lead you into an abundant life. God wants to help your marriage be something that's life-giving, something that's healthy. God wants to help you. You know, he wants to help, help you get to the place where your yesterdays and the pain and the brokenness you have from your yesterdays no longer have to accept your future, affect your future. God is for you. He has a good plan and a purpose for everyone's life. And, and it's not a life that's free of problems, but it's a life that's full of purpose. It's a life that says there's a, there's a strength that's available to you because God will come alongside of you. And whatever challenges and whatever difficulties you're facing, you are not facing those things alone, right? If God is for me, who can be against me? And so you need to let people know that God has a plan. You need to let people know that God is real. 1 Corinthians 4.20, the kingdom of God is not just a matter of talk, but of power. Here's the thing. If you're out there, if you're saying, all right, I'm going to be a witness, and I'm going to share my testimony, I want to let you know God is backing you up. God has promised that he's, he's working before you got there, and he'll be working long after you're there. You're just kind of a link in the chain, you know, that, of, that, of God trying to draw that person to himself. And one of the most powerful things that you can do is to challenge someone. Like if you have someone in your life, and they're not sure, and they're figuring it out, but you think that they want to know the truth, and maybe some of you, maybe this is relevant for you where you're at right now, that you, that you ask God, that you pray, and say, God, I don't know if you're real. I don't know if you're there, but if you are, will you show me? If you are, will you, will you prove it to me? 
So I was, while I was on vacation, one of the things that, that Norm and I got to do was went out to Idaho, and I was part of this, this golf excursion thing that, uh, uh, with a lot of some other vineyard pastors and other pastors around the country. And so me and my friend, we were, we were partners, and uh, we had a caddy, because we play a fancy golf course, you have a caddy. The, most of the courses I play, I've got to carry my own clubs. But, uh, but this was, he was a really nice kid. And so we're together for, you know, five hours, and he was a great caddy. He was like telling me the, the putt's going to go this way, and it went that way. And, but, uh, but we were sharing with him a little bit, and he seemed really open. And so what we said to him at the end is we said, hey, listen, why don't, you know, we gave him that challenge and said, why don't you ask God to show you if he's real? Because just having confidence that, that you do your part, which is to be a witness, it's God's job to take care of everything else. And God is going to be moving and working in people's lives. And the last thing is this. We need to let people know what their real problem is. What their real problem is. And let me just again, maybe say this for some of you this morning. Like you came here with problems. We all came here with problems. We all have problems. And your problem, you might think, my problem is my marriage. Or you might think, my problem is I hate my job. Or my problem is I have this anxiety. Or I have whatever it is. Those are real problems. But there's a, there's a root cause problem. And what it says in Isaiah 59, verse 2, it says, Your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. You see, God made all of us. God loves all of us. But we're not born into a relationship with God, right? That there's something that separates us. All the love that's in God's heart, all the, the abundance, the things he wants to do, the purpose he wants to give us, our sins separate us from that life. And so that, I think that's what so much of life is about, is people got this void and we're trying to fill it with this, that, and the other thing. But really what it is you're looking for is you're looking to be reconciled with your God. That, that once your relationship with God is right, then everything else in your life will begin to fall into place. It doesn't mean it'll all get easier, but there'll be a strength and a purpose that will guide you through. And so we come up with all sorts of ways to try to bridge that gap, to try to like, okay, there's something missing. There's something that I need. Jesus is the one who can bridge the gap. He's the only one who can bridge that gap. It says in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so death isn't just dying at the end of your life. There's a spiritual death. And the stuff, you know what, maybe you're experiencing spiritual death because you have all these fears and anxieties that are there. Maybe you're experiencing spiritual death because when you think about your future, there's a hopelessness that's there. Maybe the spiritual death that you're experiencing is a loneliness. Spiritual death can take all sorts of different forms. The only one who can bridge the gap, who can bring down that dividing wall so that God's life and love can flow into your life is Jesus and what he's done at the cross. And all you need to do is you need to ask Jesus to help you. That's it. You just have to ask him to help. There was somebody who asked me at the end of the last service. They were like, Could you I want to get baptized, but I don't know if I'm ready. And what I said to them is, well, you know what? A lot of people talk about baptism as like graduation from college, where I actually think, according to the Bible, baptism is more like the first day of kindergarten. You know, that if, if you just say like yes to Jesus, he's right there and you can be baptized and you can know that that dividing wall is broken down and that God's going to start, the love that's in his heart for you is going to now start flowing in your life in new and exciting ways. And so if you're here this morning and you have not yet given your life to Jesus, 
and you haven't been experiencing the kind of relationship with Jesus that Wanda was talking about, that Evelyn was talking about, that I talk about, that we sing about, I want to give you an opportunity to just simply say yes to Jesus. And so let's close our eyes and let's pray. And so if you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus, just pray this prayer. The specific words aren't as important as just the openness in your heart that you're saying yes to God. And so if you would just say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I need some things to change. And so now I'm looking to you. I believe you're the son of God. I believe, even though maybe I don't understand it, but I believe you died for me. And that you rose from the dead and you're here right now. And so please forgive all of my sins and come into my life. And from here on out, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to make you the Lord or the director of my life. 